Hello, and thank you for downloading the podcast edition of the Community Baptist Church Service in Henderson, Kentucky. For February the 10th of 2008, the first Sunday of Lent, our pastor, Dr. Tim Hobbs, delivers a sermon message entitled, Drop the Pretense, Live for Christ. His scripture reference this morning comes from Matthew, the 6th chapter, verses 1 through 6 and verses 16 through 18. Our Cork Church Choir this morning sings a song called, Are You Real? The offertory is played by our church pianist, Jika Crafton, Whiter Than Snow. The children's sermon is being delivered this morning by Mary Dunham. We now unite with the service in progress.
you would keep our hearts turn, tender and open to you, O oh God. We come to you this morning lifting your name on high because you are the Lord of lords and the King of kings. You are the creator of all this world and all this universe. You are our hope. You are our sustainer and Lord. You are our friend and our brother. And so we praise you, O God, for your presence in our lives. We come to you today confessing that sometimes our lives are not lived in the way that they should be, nor are they lived in the ways that we profess them to be. And we pray for your forgiveness for that. Sometimes we do things that we do not believe, and sometimes we say things that we do not believe. But God, you are a forgiving God. And we've come to you praying for your forgiveness and praying that you would empower our hearts to hear your word and hear your voice and obey you in our lives and follow the path that you have laid out for us. Be with us, O God, today as we worship you in spirit and in truth. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
Boys and girls, you want to come down? Miss Mary is going to be sharing with you. We do want to remind you of your event right after worship. We had great attendance and Bible study for kids. And to me, that's one of the best things we do. And among the best thermometers of a church, I think, is Bible study. And that is great. Also, we want to remember those traveling back with us. You'll hang on to that in a minute, and they're going to get that for you. Uh, those traveling back from Orlando, they'll be coming back whenever they're coming. We have a lot of folks gone today with our cheerleaders who are there for the national big competition that you see on ESPN. Uh, they're a part of that this weekend, and uh, that's been a big deal. So we know we have several choir members gone and, and others that are gone with that group and a lot of our youth and all that. So we want to wish them well as they were traveling on their way home. Larry? Thank you, Larry. Good morning, everyone. Now, don't, please don't do this to me again. All right, this is what we're going to do, because sometimes it is a little scary to get up here. If you have someone that came to church with you this morning, I want that person to come down here in front with you, because you get to sit on the front row. So if you have a child up here today, come on down. Oh, I don't know what they're doing. You know what, boys and girls? And I, especially Kelsey and Jake. I got up real grouchy this morning. I got Kelsey's, yeah, she's shaking her head. I read the paper and I still was grouchy. And then I went back to bed and I still was grouchy. And I thought, why am I so grouchy this morning? Well, then I thought of a book that I had got, I think, Kelsey for Christmas or something. I'm going to share that book with you today. Oh, this ought to be good. Uh Uh-oh. Devon, they've got slinkies. This book is called I Hope You Dance. It's got some really neat pictures in it. Parents, you know why you're here yet? (laughs) This says, I hope you never lose your sense of wonder. You know what? Sometimes as grown-ups, we lose our sense of wonder. And we kind of look through your eyes because you guys never lose your sense of wonder until you get to be our age. You get your you get your fill to eat, but always keep that hunger. That means we want your bellies full, but we always want you to hunger for more. We want you to go out and explore more and more things, okay? May you never take a single breath for granted. God forbid love ever leave you empty handed. You know what? Us grown ups we take sometimes we take our breaths for granted and we shouldn't do that. And then sometimes we lose people that we love. And, you know, that happens sometimes, but we just have to overcome that, even if we feel real empty-handed. I hope you still feel small when you stand beside the ocean. If you haven't seen the ocean, it's really cool. And when you stand beside it, just look at it, just explore every bit of it and think how wonderful that ocean is. Do what? Salt water? There is salt water in the ocean. Yeah, it's Oh, I know it. I know. Whenever one door closes, I hope one more opens. You know, sometimes bad things happen to us, but we just have to know that another door is going to open and it's going to be all right. God's going to be there for us. My hands always shake when I get up here. Nicole, did your hand shake last week? Okay. Promise me you'll give faith a fighting chance, and when you get a choice to sit it out or dance, I hope you dance. You know what? You guys are always bouncing around, but we never get to bounce around. We never dance. Got a hint yet, parents? (laughs) I hope you never fear those mountains in the distance. Never settle for the path of least resistance. What do you think that means? Just don't take the easy way out. Give it your very best, right? Living might be taking chances, but they're worth taking. Loving might be a mistake, but it's worth making. Okay? We've got to take a lot of chances in life. We hope we make the right choices. Give the heavens up above more than a passing glance. And if you get the choice to sit it out or dance. When's the last time you guys have danced with your parents or somebody with you? Uh, Yeah, Kelsey gets to go to the daddy-daughter dance with her dad. And this says, I hope you dance. So, Mike, you want to help us out? Guess what, parents? 
you get to stand up and dance with your kid just for the first verse. So we're going to dance with our kids this morning, something we don't do enough of. God, as we come to this time in our worship service, our prayer is that you might make our church a channel of blessing. Our congregation might be a blessing to the community around us. We pray that we might be witnesses for you wherever we are and help us to love you with all of our hearts. Now bless the offering that we bring and may it use to help us be channels of blessing. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.
we have song we have sung words today like may i be a christian not just act like one may i i live a witness and not just talk like one and we've just heard our choir sing words are you real so you may deduce from these words that we have sung today that our subject for this morning on this first Sunday of Lent is hypocrisy. And, you know, I almost feel sorry for hypocrites sometimes, don't you? I mean, think about it. Everybody hates a hypocrite. Everybody hates a hypocrite. We may be able to tolerate a wide variety of diverse groups of people in our society, but one group that does not get our compassion is the group made up of people who publicly stand for one thing, but then they do something else. We may be understanding of a politician or a preacher who solicits gay sex, but not when he's one of the leading gay bashers in Congress or from the pulpit. That kind of hypocrisy turns our stomach. And it somehow troubles us when we see someone who expresses concern about global warming and they drive a Hummer. Or how about the guy who's always talking about tithing but gives a paltry percentage of his or her income to the church? Even Jesus didn't like hypocrites. And Jesus liked anybody, just about anybody, didn't he? We're often reminded that Jesus never called anyone a sinner. Do you realize that? It's true. He never called anyone a sinner. He looked past the sin to the person who, caught, who was caught in the misdeed. And yet still, even Jesus had no sympathy for a hypocrite. Timmy, if you put our scripture up for, for this morning on the screen, I'd appreciate it. And today's lesson from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, Jesus says, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from God. So whenever you give, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. And God who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to God in secret. And God who sees in secret will reward you. And then later on in that same chapter, he adds, And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by God who is in secret. And God who sees in secret will reward you. Folks, this is not the only time that Jesus criticizes the hypocrites. He did it on a number of occasions, but it will suffice for today. It is very clear that Jesus did not like hypocrites. And the question is, who does? Bishop William Williman, a Methodist bishop from Alabama, was talking with a man one day about the man's father. And it seems that this man's father was a remarkable man. He didn't have a lot of formal ed education under his belt, but by staying up late at night, nearly every night, he self-educated himself in the ways of, of the law. And during the Great Depression, a bank in his hometown hired this man's father to receive and to dispose of the many farms that the bank was foreclosing 
as a result of the economic hard times of the Depression. Well, his father had always been deeply concerned about the plight of African-American farmers, most of whom were sharecroppers. And if you know anything about sharecroppers, you'll realize that their situation was not a whole lot better than slavery. They lived on somebody else's land, and during the winter they had to borrow from the land owner in order to buy food and fuel with loans that were set at pretty high interest rates. And then in the summertime, when the crops came in, the first money was taken off of the top and went to pay back the, the landowner for the debt that they had incurred during the winter, along with the interest that they owed. And there was never enough money. And so each year, these sharecroppers sank deeper and deeper into debt. And so his father would meet with these sharecroppers now that the bank owned the land that they lived on. And he trained them in the most modern farming techniques available. He kept careful records of their crops and he helped them to get a good price for their work. And by the time he died, by his estimate, 200 African-American farmers and their families who had never owned land or a home in their lives were now proud homeowners, landowners, and living by the fruit of their own labor. And when he died, they were forced to have this man's funeral at his home rather than at the Presbyterian church of his town because they knew that most of the folks who would attend his funeral would be black and they would not be welcome at the predominantly white church downtown. The man's son said this, He said, my daddy almost never attended church. He couldn't stand to sit there and watch ushers pass the offering plates on Sunday, knowing how those same scoundrels conducted their businesses during the week, knowing the way they treated people when they weren't all dressed up and playing church. And who could blame him for his anger and his disgust? Jesus would have felt the same way. Hypocrisy. People who say one thing, but act in a completely different manner. People who proclaim the love of Jesus, but in their hearts, they hate their brothers and sisters. Dr. Leonard Sweet, in his book, Carpe Manana, tells about receiving a telephone call from a highly placed female executive in Manhattan. It seems that this woman wanted his advice as to whether she should have plastic surgery or not. Plastic surgery had become a routine for her peers, and she had had some misgivings about it. So Dr. Sweet talked to her on the phone about this issue of plastic surgery, and he registered his theological misgivings at the concept of a physically correct body. And plus, he wondered out loud about how women who have more than one facelift all start looking the same. I mean, Joan Rivers no longer looks like Joan Rivers. Is this a new form of mummification, he pondered? And when he finally concluded his dissertation, he asked, so what do you think? And she replied, I think I'm going to do it. (laughs) Well, Sweet admits that he's not much of a counselor. But before she hung up, he asked about her college daughter. And the woman replied, oh, she's great. Thanks for asking. She's coming home soon for break. And she told me just the other day that she has a surprise for me. And so he asked, what do you think it is? And she said, I think I know what it is. But what I'm not sure about is whether it's a tattoo or a piercing. And then she said, Leonard, so help me. If she has either one of those things, I'm going to cut her tuition payments. Now, wait a minute. Leonard's thinking. Plastic surgery, which is an extreme form of body modification, is okay, but piercings and tattoos are not. Hmm. 
Now, that's something for us to think about, isn't it? You say one thing, but you do something different. And parents, I think, have to be particularly careful on this point. Because, folks, let me tell you something. That old parental expression that says, do as I say and not as I do, that doesn't fly. Our actions speak louder than our words. And so parents have to be especially careful. And so do church people. I heard about a pastor who was preaching an impassioned sermon on the evils of television. It steals away precious time that could be better spent on other things, he proclaimed. And and he was advising his congregation to do what he and his family had done. We put our TV away in the closet, he said. And his wife mumbled, that's right, and it gets awfully crowded in there. Good for her. You know, I, don't, I, I, I have no problem with protesting what's being shown on television, but not when you're a closet viewer yourself. The word hypocrisy means simply putting on a mask. One scholar suggests that Jesus himself coined the word, borrowing it from the Greek actors or hypocrites, who entertained the crowds at an outdoor theater near his home. For you see, the actors in the Greek drama, the Greek theater, they would wear masks to reflect their character's disposition. But underneath that mask was someone else altogether. And in essence, that's what a hypocrite is, isn't it? It is a person who puts on a face... To make a certain impression. And of course, none of us would ever do that, would we? Well, most of the time. (laughs) We might try to impress a client. Or we may try to impress someone that we're attracted to. We may try to impress our neighbor with the kind of car that we drive or even our fellow church members with our piety or our giving. Hypocrisy is not something that Jesus takes lightly. A number of years ago, a scandal hit the music industry. It seems that the group, I'm going to check your age now. You remember the group Millie Vanilli? All right. See, you know where I'm going with this, those that you do that do for those that you of you who may be either older or younger that don't fit in that category. Let me tell you about Millie Vanilli. This was a a group a sing. Well, I was going to say a singing group, but that doesn't exactly explain them. So and you'll realize that why in a minute. Anyway, they they had recently won a Grammy Award for their album titled Girl You Know It's the it, You Know It's True. But finally they had to confess that it wasn't true. Because you see they had linked lip-synced the entire recording. They were just front men lip-syncing every word. Couldn't sing a lick. Which resulted in the disgrace of them having to return their Grammy award. Now, to all that, Jimmy Bowen, the the, uh, president of Capitol Records, said this. He said, you have to remember that music is the mirror of our times. And when the mirror is close to what is happening, that's what sells. The times we live in are very plastic. And there's a lot of phony things happening in people's daily lives. And so Millie Vanilli is just playing the game. Just playing the game. And that's true, isn't it? Image is everything. That's why business people pay big bucks to advertisers to to sell us things that we don't really need. 
And does reality match the image that they present to us? Most of the time, not. But hey, they're just playing the game. And we will tolerate hypocrisy in, in, in many areas of our lives, but we will not tolerate hypocrisy in religion, nor should we. Because you see, folks, Jesus does not want us to, to make a show of our faith. No. Jesus wants us to be authentic in our commitment to Christ. And that's what this season of Lent that we are observing now is all about. Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter, excluding Sundays, in which we prepare ourselves spiritually to celebrate the most important event in Christian history, and that is the resurrection of our Savior. And we prepare ourselves for this wonderful event by taking a good, hard look at our lives and determining what do I need to do to live the life that Jesus has called me to live. And then we do it. In a word, it is about repentance. And repentance is one of those churchy words that basically means turning things around. I'm doing this, I'm going my own way, and, and it's not God's way, and now I am turning things around, and I'm doing that, and I'm following the path that God has laid out for my life. That's what repentance means. And that's what Lent is all about. It is about dropping the pretense. It is about living the Christ-like life to the best of our ability and not worrying about what anybody else thinks of us. Even though we are in this treasured fellowship, in a sense, it's just us and God. And so we are humbling ourselves in the presence of complete holiness. And we are praying along with the psalmist who said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. My friends, our focus during this season of Lent is not upon ourselves. It's not about us. That's why Lent is often associated with self-denial. That's why many people give something up that we want or desire. It's not about us. It's not focusing on us. But instead, during this season of Lent, our focus is on the cross. And upon the Christ who died there. The one who, in the words of Paul, made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. My friends, there was nothing phony about Jesus and there was no desire in his life to impress anyone else. He was real. To the very end. And that's what he wants from us as well. Like our choir sang just a moment ago. Are you real? He wants for us to be real. For the sake of Jesus Christ. It was late November 1943. The United States Navy and Marines had spent three days attacking the Japanese stronghold of Bedio in the Pacific in the bloodbath that came to be known as the Battle of Tarawa. More than a thousand sailors and Marines were killed outright, and Navy gunner Harry Starner, who lost a lot of blood in the fight, was one of more than 3,000 soldiers wounded. So as the medics gave Starner a life-saving transfusion, he looked at the label on the plasma bag, and he saw, wonder of wonders, his own name. He had donated the pint of blood while he had been stateside just a few months earlier. Now, the odds of that happening were more than 10 million to one. But as a result of a national appeal, by the fall of 1943, American citizens were donating more than 100,000 pints of blood to the Red Cross every single week. 
and to encourage a sense of participation, the Red Cross chapters, many of them, began having donors sign the labels on the bottles. And so Corporal Starner was literally saved by his own blood. Well, folks, as we take the time during this season of Lent to peer upon the cross of Jesus Christ, we are confronted with the fact that the blood that has saved us is labeled with the name Jesus. And it took all of the blood that he had to do the job. And so in light of a sacrifice such as this, isn't it time for us to stop playing the game? Isn't it time for us to get real in our commitment to Christ? Drop the pretense, my friends, and live for Jesus. And the Jesus that I'm talking about here is not the watered-down version that makes him palatable to our society. I'm talking about the radical Jesus that calls on us to live radically good lives, breaking down the barriers that separate one human being from another, breaking down the prejudices that prevent us from loving our brothers and sisters as we should, responding to evil with good, making peace and not violence, and living humble lives and not lives constantly trying to impress others. It's time, my friends, to stop playing the game and truly live our lives for Jesus. So are you ready? That's the challenge for the season of Lent. What's your response? We're going to give you an opportunity to response, to response, to respond. We're going to sing a hymn of response, number 457, Lord be glorified. I know it says 502 in your worship folder, but it's 457, Lord be glorified. That's the purpose of our lives, my friends, is to glorify the Lord and to lift up the name of the Lord. And we do that, we glorify the Lord with our lives. We glorify the Lord by the way we live our lives, not as hypocrites, but as real Christians totally sold out and dedicated to the path that Jesus has laid out for us. There may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Jesus for the first time. We invite you to do that and we encourage you to do that. And from this, please don't take that we have to be perfect, be Christians. That's not what I'm trying to say. In in a sense, we are all hypocrites. Because we are not perfect people. But God is a forgiving God. And God has shown us the path to to take. And our commitment to God is to follow that path. To the best of our ability. And when we turn away, we turn back with God's grace and God's help. That's what it means to make this commitment to Christ. And if you've never made that commitment, we invite you to do that today. Or perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We are all sinners here saved by God's grace. Forgiven by God. And we invite you to come and unite with our church today. Would you come?
That is the prayer of our hearts, O God, that we would glorify you in our hearts, in our thoughts, in our church. That we would glorify you in our very lives, O God. And that means that we would follow your path and not some version of you that has been twisted and changed. Help us, O God, to look into the Gospels and see the teachings that you have given to us and to commit ourselves to that way of love and peace that you have set before us. Help us to realize, O God, when we stray from your path. Sometimes we stray without even knowing it because it's so easy to do. But help us, O God, to realize that, that we may turn back and follow you. Go with us, O God, as we leave this place. May your spirit fill us with your spirit and your love. And may we be empowered to witness for you and to live your life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.